Hey there. Welcome to Coffee with the Docs. We are a holistic lifestyle podcast where we give integrative solutions and bring brilliant experts to help you thrive, mind, body, and spirit. We are doctors Nicole Huffman and Abby Kramer, and we're so happy you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee with the Docs. We are so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. I had the best time talking to Dr. Anna Kabeca about her new book that's launching called Keto Green. And she is just like a wealth of information. And I met her a while ago when I first started learning more about her first book called The Hormone Fix and had no idea how much eating a certain way can be tied towards balancing your hormones. So pretty mind blowing. Yeah. I love her interviews. She also is like the sweetest person. She really is the sweetest person. And you know what wants to do video, which I love. So I get to like see her literally light up the whole time she's talking. About this. Yeah. She's so sweet. You know what I thought? Like I wrote this down cause it struck me and I never heard this, how she was taught. She was talking about trauma, you guys, and how it can affect your hormones and fertility and stuff like that. And she was saying trauma like PTSD always gets worse two years after the event. Mm, I was like, wow. Yeah. I'd never heard that. I mean, it's interesting. I feel like when we see patients, I always, we're always asking them like, okay, well, what happened like six months or a year before like your chronic Mm -hmm. disease Mm -hmm. happened or whatever, but I I don't normally go back like two years. So that's definitely something I'm going to start doing. Yeah. And the stuff she said about um, heart rate variability. How she's like, we measure that so much in like babies right? in utero. And then as soon as they're born, we stop doing that. I was like, whoa, that's I true. Love, I know. I love my aura ring. It's awesome. It always tells me my HRV. Um, I also like how she talks about different hormones as being key players, like oxytocin, insulin, cortisol. Mm-hmm. Like we don't always really think about those when it comes to like progesterone and estrogen, but those ones are so important. Totally. I loved it. So informative. You guys will love it. Yeah. Enjoy. And we will have a link at the bottom in our show notes for how you guys can access all of her really exciting tools and books. All right. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back to Coffee with the Docs. Today, I am so excited. I've got Dr. Anna Kabeca on today. I actually, Anna, I think I interviewed you like a year ago or something for one of our summits. And we loved the interview so much that we released it on the podcast. But now it's been so long that it's perfect to have you back on again. So thank you for being our guest. I always love having coffee with you. Thank you, Nicole. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Okay, well, Dr. Anna, I'm going to have you introduce yourself to our lovely audience. Oh, well, thank you. I'm Dr. Anna Kabeca. As Nicole said, I live in St. Simons Island, Georgia. I'm a single mom of four, homeschooling one. And I always said, because I took a trip around the world as my healing journey for a year, homeschooling my two older ones at one point before the youngest was born. Um, And I always said, if I ever homeschool again, just someone lock me up. But here I am. (laughs) 
Grant, really, God bless homeschoolers, because it is, it is, it is those challenges. So I have just now taxed my oldest two that I had a, for one year homeschooled them, then quickly put them into school. Um, I've taxed them with homeschooling their youngest sister right now. So amazing. <laughs> Funny. I'm a gynecologist and obstetrician, also board certified in integrative medicine, as well as uh, anti-aging and regenerative medicine. I have traveled the world looking for answers to help people. And as part of my own journey, going through early menopause and infertility at age 39, and being told I would never be able to conceive another child naturally, my only option being egg donation at the time because I had failed so many rounds of the highest doses of fertility treatments. And so that took me on a journey and and helped me bring a worldwide aspect into my medical practice and into my clinic, as well as my personal life. So through my own trials, tribulations, and working with now, you know, tens of thousands of women, I created some great programs and products that really work as natural solutions to empower the individual amazing women in the world and the men that love them uh, to really embrace health and be in charge of their own health naturally. Love that, all of it. So, Dr. Anna, before we dive in, uh, we always ask our guests two questions. So since we're Coffee with the Docs, we always like to know, like, what's your favorite beverage you've been cozying up to lately? Are you kidding me? You know, my answer is going to be Mighty Maca Plus. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Definitely Mighty Maca Plus in hot water with an mm-hmm. extra squirt, squirt of lemon juice. And I just kind of sipping on that all day now. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't even think of, I just like put it in cold water and chug it in the morning, but you actually turn it into like a whole beverage. A hot tea. Yes, a hot tea. So working to minimize because definitely working at home, I want the coffee have my great Nespresso coffee maker. And I'm like, okay, I get one espresso a day. So I needed to replace and also again, you know, support my body during this stressful time. Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. we'll have, we'll definitely have some links in the bottom for your mighty maca and all the other fun things that we talk about, because I have a lot of patience on that. And it is delicious. Thank you. Thank you. And then what is your latest biohack? Uh, My latest biohack? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So this is really fun because I had to, you know, think of what else can I do to kind of help with stress and and dealing with that. So Maritza Snyder actually gave it to me. Uh, Essential oil combination in a water bottle or with witch hazel. Uh, five to six drops each of lavender, bergamot, and clary sage. Like bergamot is absolutely my favorite, and I love lavender, but I've never mixed them together. Ooh, what do you do with it? Just spritz it on your body, spritz it on your pillow, and it's just this natural essential oil kind of self um, treat that helps to balance, just give you that balance, that awe, that relief. And and she says it helps with a better night's sleep. I'm like, it makes my pillows smell good and I cannot resist them. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. I'm sort of just getting into the whole essential oil world. So I'm going to give that a try. Me too. Essential oils are not my forte, but there are certain ones that like bergamot I love. And then thieves oil is another great essential oil for cleaning, antifungal, antiviral, all that good stuff. So, but don't, I don't typically wouldn't put that on my body. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Let's clean with that. I know during this whole time, we've been diffusing thieves like 24 or 7. It's just like going. And that's the only oil I really 
no, no. <laughs> aside from lavender. So I'm like, well, that one seems good. But yeah, I'm, it's one of my goals during this Corona quarantine is to learn more about oils. So I'm excited about it. So thank you for teaching me something new already. You're welcome. <laughs> so Dr. Anna, so I've been recommending Keto Green to patients for years. I do Keto Green. Um, and so I'm super excited about your new book coming out, which we will definitely talk about. And we've had some episodes on keto in the past as well, but Keto Green is different than the standard keto. So I want you to explain a little bit about what makes it so different. Yeah, yeah. And it's this is stems from my story with experiencing keto firsthand. So I'll share that a little bit. And so I mentioned that I reversed my infertility at age 39, went on to have a beautiful baby girl at age 41, who is now 12 and homeschooling. I, I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm okay with it. And so I'm 53 with a 12 year old, but at 48, so she was in elementary school. Her two older sisters were in high school, one in middle school, one in high school. And they were, they were teenagers. I mentioned all girls, teenagers, and I was 48. (laughs) You know, what's coming y'all like, you know, God had some kind of crazy timing when women are going through perimenopause and menopause and kids are going through puberty. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? (laughs) It should not happen. And so I I was a single mom and dad, my ex husband had had a traumatic brain injury, you know, sole provider, and I was burning the candle at, at all ends. And I was burning out. And I was experiencing brain fog and irritability. And you know, we, we can't, exp- we can't have that, especially as teenagers, not only do they take advantage of you when you're completely cognizant, but add some brain fog. <laughs> it's just terrible. Like I did not say that. I'm like, yes, you did, mom. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so, and so, but what was honestly worse for me, because at one point I had been over 240 pounds and lost 80 pounds, kept that off for nearly a decade. And there I was 48 and overnight I was gaining weight. And Nicole, you know this, when patients come into your office and they're like, hey, you know, they would come into my office. Hey, Dr. Anna, I've gained 5, 10, 20 pounds and I'm not doing anything different. And you're probably like, oh, let me get to the bottom of that. I was like, sure, you're not. (laughs) Sure, you're not. Like, how can that be possible? Well, you know, I I certainly have been humbled. And I gained basically, honest to God, 20 pounds overnight without doing anything different. And so I had to understand, okay, why? What's going on here, right? Absolutely. Why is this? physiologically possible. I was a scientist before I ever went to medical school in exercise physiology and research. And so I, I wanted to get to the bottom of it. But even more importantly, I, I, I'd been, I didn't know when that weight gain would stop. Like, would I be over 300 pounds by the time this stops? Because I'd been well over 240 pounds at one time. And so I, um, I, I immediately cut out all carbs like we do for our clients. I've so many times put my candida patients on a no carb diet, low carb diet, my seizure patients, neurologically uh, compromised patients on a keto diet. And what I recalled them saying is in this perimenopausal time period is they would tell me, you know, Dr. Anna, I just don't like how I feel. I feel like I'm hitting a wall. I mean, this isn't working for me. And for me, I didn't experience keto flu. I was well cognizant of those symptoms, but I experienced what I called keto crazy. I mean, I was more irritable. I was agitated and I knew that wasn't me. That's not my personality. And, uh, you know, and and again, did I mention there were teenagers in the home (laughs) (laughs) and you can not have, you cannot lose your cool around teenagers. And so 
what was, um, so I needed to understand why. And so I did what, you know, we tell our patients do, check your urine pH, right? I started checking my urine pH and I was as acidic as the urine pH paper would read. And for me, urine pH is another vital sign. I insist clients check their urine pH and especially when we're um, stressed or we need to increase our level of performance for whatever reason. But urine pH is a vital sign. We're not talking blood pH, totally different. Urine pH is a vital sign. When we are malnourished, when we're eating too much acidic food, when we're not getting the minerals we need in our body, we're going to have acidic pH. So mine was really acidic. And for me, Nicole, that was a aha moment. That was really an aha moment. And I was like, no wonder I feel so irritable. So I added in the alkalinizers. At least I blamed it on that. And so I added in the alkalinizers, the dark green leafies, the cruciferous vegetables. And um, and I really started working on getting more alkaline, even increasing my Mighty Maca Plus, adding apple cider vinegar, adding some baking soda, really working on that alkalinity factor. And so that helped tremendously. And within within a few weeks, I lost the 20 pounds I gained. But what I noticed, and this is why our urine pH is a vital sign, is what I noticed is those mornings I would walk outside, go for a walk in the morning in nature, and or do my gratitude journaling, my urine pH was more alkaline all day. Wow. All stress increases acidity of our urine. And just that um, factor made me, encouraged me to enhance my practice and discipline of getting out in nature, walking, doing things that soothe my soul and my spirit to help me maintain my um, uh you know, my stress level certainly helped me guide cortisol. So the keto green, my keto green approach is about getting into ketosis in a healthy way through healthy fats, healthy protein, but also intermittent fasting and no more snacking. So we're really increasing insulin sensitivity and working our, you know, metabolic or fasting muscles, our autophagy muscle, let's say. And so we really need to exercise that, especially as we're getting older. And then all the alkalinizing greens. And it's not just important for us to go into the stage of getting keto green, getting into ketosis and alkaline at the same time, but it is mandatory. In my opinion, it is essential in the perimenopause and postmenopause and if we're experiencing PMS. So we need to shift from using glucose as a main source of fuel to using ketones as a main source of fuel. And there's a hormonal and a biologic reason for that, which, you know, just it just shifted my life. And so that's how this keto green approach came about. I love it. I mean, I think in my experience with my patients, I definitely have seen that sometimes the standard ketogenic approach, while it works wonderfully for a lot of men, it doesn't, you know, I feel like a lot of women were really struggling. And so I love bringing back in this alkaline approach to it. And I think for some women, it was like, oh, well, can I still get into keto, 
eating all of these vegetables and eating all of these alkalizing foods? And your answer would be yes, right? Absolutely. You can still get into ketosis Absolutely. that way. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And and it's so much better. So when you're alkaline, when your urine pH is alkaline and you get into ketosis, I actually created urine test strips because I'm very lazy and simple. So I created them. So the ketone pad is on the pH pad and you get the red ketone pad and the green alkaline pad. It feels like Christmas. It is energized enlightenment. So I, I had this tremendous clarity. I lost that weight, but my brain fog lifted. I went from I'm completely burnt out and near broke to rebuilding my business, taking my practice online, and now writing two books. I was I was struggling. I was burnt out. I was like, so much you know probably should have put me away. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, look at all of the productivity and clarity that it leads to. Yeah. So why do you think keto green is so important? So like your own story with struggling with infertility. How do you see Keto Green restore women's hormones? Like, where do you see that piece? Yeah, and I would love to say that it is all about progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, and even DHEA, because I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in the prime years of my life studying this. (laughs) (laughs) But it is actually about, because we want to get to the underlying, underlying reason why there's an imbalance in our reproductive hormones. And this, this goes for helping with PMS, PCOS, infertility, all stages of life. And when we get to the underlying reason, it's really about three major hormones. And that is cortisol and insulin. And the most powerful hormone in our body and our favorite hormone, <laughs> oxytocin. Oxytocin, the hormone of love, bonding, and connection. That walk on the beach, that gratitude journaling increases oxytocin, very alkalinizing to our body, overpowers the acidifying cortisol hormone. And then creating insulin sensitivity improves our testosterone, improves our DHEA, improves our progesterone, all of our reproductive hormones as well. And so when we manage, and that was so eye-opening to me, honestly, I talk about this, like if we think of our our classroom, our college classroom, and we think of the body of students, those are hormones in our body, the bodies of students, everyone is gifted in a certain way, they're working together for a certain role, but otherwise they have their individual pathways. And at the head of the classroom are your professors, and that would be cortisol and insulin. They are fabulous professors, but the dean of the university is oxytocin. Wow. Keep going. I'm like, I feel like if we talk about balancing hormones, we don't jump into ever really talking about oxytocin. No, and it's oh, so powerful. It's oh, so powerful. And it is dependent on we need healthy progesterone levels. We need healthy vitamin D levels for healthy function of oxytocin. I mean, I didn't know until I really have been digging into it because of what I experienced post-trauma for me. Post-traumatically for me, I had PTSD, and that's what threw me into early menopause at 39, and and uh, overwhelming grief and trauma, and threw me into this state of anovulation, infertility, early menopause, complete endocrine shutdown, reproductive endocrine shutdown. Wow. Of course, when you're when you're under stress, like we are today, you know, chronic everyday stress traumatic stress, depending on what we're dealing with in our lives on a regular basis, let alone during this uh, pandemic of coronavirus, we're continuously spiking our cortisol. What are we exposed to on the news? Who has died? Who is sick? Who is contagious? Has our family come into 
in contact? Will they be sick? Is this headache I'm getting coronavirus? Is this loose bowels? Is that coronavirus? So we're getting triggered on a regular basis, and we we can't. We need to catch, and it says this in the Bible, the peace that surpassed is all understanding. And that's what, mm. now more than ever, this approach really helps us modulate our external stressors and our internal response to that stress. Our internal response to that stress is key in managing cortisol, but also in optimizing oxytocin. So like when we when we give to our audiences, when we're sharing knowledge and gifting that from our, our, our love for our communities, that increases oxytocin. It's received and it's given and in both ways it increases oxytocin and we feel that. So in little ways we can do it. Now, of course, there are even better ways like having sex and orgasm, <laughs> have a baby. <laughs> yeah. laughing, playing, you know, all those things can, things you enjoy, and that's an increase, an increase in in oxytocin. But absolutely, like this concept of as we're aging, and this is going back to, again, if I hadn't experienced it, I wouldn't know to teach this. But as we're aging and our progesterone levels decreasing, and again, no matter what age we are, progesterone is made, cortisol is made from progesterone. So anytime we're pumping out cortisol, we're depleting progesterone even more. And that creates those symptoms of neuroendocrine, these neuroendocrine symptoms. And when we're in age group 35 to 55, this is that time period of neuroendocrine vulnerability. So not only do patients come into us complaining about their gynecologic complaints, like irregular cycles, breakthrough bleeding, ovarian cyst, breast tenderness, but the neurologic symptoms, right? More so, they're coming in with PMS, um, depression, anxiety, mood swings, irritability, brain fog, uh, loss of interest in, in life, let alone interest in sex. And um, this that's all during this period of neuroendocrine vulnerability. Those are neurologic symptoms. And this add this to the declining progesterone and estrogen that we're experiencing because of stress. Well, what what is happening to our brain? Why is our nervous system affected? Like I didn't know, but it turns out and why did I feel better going keto green? Like, why did it, you know, and as soon as I had you know, too much carbs again, I, the brain fog was coming back in and the loss of clarity. And so what is happening, which is so fascinating, if you look at the way our brain uses glucose for fuel, our brain uses glucose for fuel preferentially. There's glucose available, available. brain is like, give me that, right? It is the junkie for glucose. And, um, And as we're getting older, well, really important to know that the brain's ability to use glucose for fuel, as well as gluconeogenesis in the brain, this is an estrogen-dependent phenomenon. I really believe, because it follows the line of the progesterone drop, I really, it's more associated with the progesterone decline causing the estrogen decline, and hence, the brain is starving for food. It is starving for food. It is less able to use glucose for fuel in the brain because estrogen's less abundant. And men, it's less so because they're not relying on ovaries to produce estrogen. Some testosterone goes towards estrogen in men, and they have more circulating levels of estrogen in the brain, according to the research. But we rely on our ovaries. And as we become uh, more ovarian resistant, 
we're losing this. And that's that brain fog, losing my edge, you know, feeling foggy, not responding well. And I always joke, I said, you know, at that time, I, I was making such poor decisions, I even got engaged to the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine it is not conducive to a healthy life. But ketone use in the brain, so the brain would use glucose for fuel or ketones for fuel. And ketone use in the brain is not estrogen dependent. It is not hormone dependent. So all of a sudden, your brain is like lit up on fire again. I mean, I couldn't have done this five years ago. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, what's so interesting about these symptoms you talk about is I think so many women just think, oh, this is just what happens. It's just a natural part of getting older or something's really wrong with me, or, you know, it's just all of these things. And it's amazing that just changing the way that you fuel your body can have such a significant impact on your brain. And like you said, it affects all areas of your life, getting engaged to the wrong person. (laughs) But I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, you think about major decisions in your life, being a parent, all of these things. And it's amazing how our hormones or lack thereof or too much cortisol or not enough oxytocin actually impact all of these different parts of our life. It's so true. It's so true. And it's that, that exactly what you said, we're told that this is the normal part of aging. This, well, it's normal because that's what's happening to most of us, but it is not optimal. So how do we shift our physiology to respond in a way that is optimized? And it's, it's the keto green way. And it's not just about, you know, you know, ketogenic eating. It's not, it's a lifestyle approach and in a healthy way, but also discerning how it's working in your body. And so I tell clients, you can be eating perfectly. You can be eating, you know, hundred percent keto green, but you're, you're still acidic. And why? Maybe you're eating a food sensitivity. Maybe you hate the person you're eating with, (laughs) you know, maybe you're, you're just worrying, stressed, fearful, you know, maybe there are other toxins that in our skincare, in our water supply, and that just leaves us to, I say, do your Nancy Drew detective work, right. figure out, keep figuring out, okay, what's working against my physiology? Why, not, why aren't I able to get keto green? And then how do I exercise this muscle to stay in it more? And I'm not saying always, the metabolic flexibility is, is important. So I'm 10% fasting, 80% keto green, and 10% feasting. I'm true glutton at heart. So I have to incorporate that into my programs. (laughs) For feasting for you, do you feel like that also has a hormonal implication though? Like even in a producing more oxytocin sort of way as well? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you look at it that way, it's beautiful. Like last night was a feasting night. We had sweet potatoes with tabbouleh and ribs. I mean, the sweet potatoes made it higher carb. And then we had a, 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 pseudo keto green apple crisp but it was apple crisp without added sugar but we had natural fruit in it so again not keto bumped out of ketosis that's fine but what a great feast meal with my daughters at the table and you know and things like that that's metabolic flexibility is important we do raise up the glucose at that point and that's okay but we're exercising our insulin which by now hopefully we've become so insulin sensitive that glucose comes right back down within a few within within 30 minutes to an hour or so. Well, and I think having that feast period gives this more of a lifestyle aspect, right? Mm-hmm. It gives mm-hmm. people that flexibility. You mentioned something that I haven't 
really heard too much about, and I'd love you to go into it if you don't mind, the, you said ovarian resistant or ovary resistant. What were the words that you used? Ovarian resistant. Yeah, explain that. So as we as we get older, our ovaries, you know, produce less and less eggs. And so our brain is pumping out LH and FSH, luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone to do this. So when in our fertile time period, if we're looking, if I'm evaluating someone for infertility, I'm going to look at a cycle day three, cycle day two or cycle day three. LH, FSH, and estradiol. I want to know how much estrogen is being produced and how much is the brain working on the ovary to produce that amount of estrogen to get follicles recruited for ovulation. And so that first part of the cycle, we call that the the follicular phase, but in that first part of the cycle when LH is above 15 and FSH above certainly 15, 20, um, but definitely it's in the menopausal range when it's in the 30s, 40s, 50s and above. Right, It's the menopausal range. And so that ovarian resistance, the lack of the... um, response of the ovary to these high levels of hormones it's requiring more and more it's almost like you have I would say to clients like if you've put your hands over your ears as your kids are screaming (laughs) 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 I don't hear you until they're really screaming you're like what I don't know maybe that's just me you guys have gotten a glimpse into my home (laughs) the benefits of doing quarantine podcasts I tell you, I was on a call today and I had my door open. It was just before the call was starting. And my uh, 20-year-old is yelling at her 23-year-old sister to get out the door because they're running late. And I'm like, ah, let me mute my children. (laughs) You know what? It's life. It's all good. That's so funny. So that ovarian resistance is what you were actually able to reverse in yourself. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. And and the reason that I was ovarian resistant was because of the trauma, the drop in the mm-hmm. trauma, PTSD, chronic unrelenting cortisol. This is what's important. PTSD. I, I, I'd heard about it. I work with clients with PTSD, but experiencing it is something different. Anyone who's experiencing it, you know, my heart goes out to you. And this is how we can get around it. We can absolutely heal from it and become triumphant over post traumas. We really can. And I don't say that lightly because our traumas are really, really significant. And, um, and so what happens in this case is that with like something we know about with seizure disorder, right? And PTSD is considered sometimes, oh, well, just think yourself better. It's just as real as seizure disorder. So when we have a seizure, when someone has a seizure, and I have a daughter with seizures, my oldest has seizures. And so when none currently for a long time, so that's good. good. Um, But when a person has seizures, the first seizure, we're like, okay, well, maybe we don't see anything organic. Let's you know, we don't see a reason for it. Unlikely, we'll see if she has another seizure. And if she has, and and so we can watch and wait, we don't have to medicate. But when she has a second seizure, then those neural pathways are set. We know she's going to have a third seizure. And PTSD is very similar. We have that trauma, we experience it over and over and over again. And soon there are many triggers There are many flashbacks. There's this physiology of trauma that is constantly driving cortisol. And when cortisol is constantly being driven, it's frying out our nervous system. It is a catabolic hormone. It's life-saving, but too much, too long, unrelenting. 
is destructive. It is catabolic, meaning it breaks down our, it, it breaks us down. It will break down our bones. I mean, we need to supply cortisol. So it will break down our muscle, break down. And so it is a catabolic hormone. And um, our brain will say, the paraventricular nucleus in the brain apparently says, okay, this is, I think, the conversation, Nicole. It's like, okay, cortisol, you are frying me out. Time to shut down. I'm putting the brakes on you. I'm like putting you in a closet. You cannot come out until I tell you. And so what happens is that, so here you kind of have this revving engine. And uh, Dr. Alan Christensen said it really well. It's like you're putting the brake on and the gas on at the same time. And so you have this revving engine uh, phenomenon. And But when, when cortisol's up, oxytocin goes down. Mm. But And typically when oxytocin goes up, cortisol, cortisol goes down. But in this phenomena, what I believe is happening, cortisol suppressed and oxytocin is suppressed at the same time, because the same area is also governing the release of oxytocin. So it's like shutting down. So what happens is those feelings of disconnect, like you go into the grocery store, you see people, you know, you're like, nope, no one sees me. I don't see anyone. You stop taking your social engagements, you feel more isolated, more depressed and, and not wanting to go out. And it's also the physiology of divorce, because you no longer feel love for those you loved. Like, as I started to see this in my patients, after I understood it in myself, patients would say, "I, I love my husband, or I love my wife, I just don't feel love for them. And then I dig back into what was the trauma? What, you know, and it's typically worse two years after the trauma, two years after that, we have such amazing coping skills, right. that sometimes we're not addressing the physiology. And this physiology, that's the physiology of divorce, low cortisol, low oxytocin, that's the physiology of quitting your job that you love for so many years, because you're burnt out. That's the physiology of burnout. And, and it is by empowering oxytocin, recreating, you know, controlling cortisol by controlling our thoughts, our mind and our patterns, our lifestyle patterns, as well as how we nourish our body, hence the getting alkaline or getting green approach makes a huge difference. And from that, you're back into your natural flow back into your body again, and you're able to experience the highs and lows of life, but empowering the highs, the oxytocin-driven, love-filled, passion-filled, joy-filled, caring, kind aspects of our life that we really all want, especially now. Wow, that was such a succinct explanation of trauma and how it affects the body. Because I think, you know, at least in my practice, I do a lot more uh, emotional work than I ever used to because I've noticed what an important key it is for people when they're on their healing journey. But I think again, this goes into how important it is to be eating the right way as you're going through trauma. And I think that's so hard sometimes for people to wrap their mind around. But it's like helping to reset those hormones to get you out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think just the way you explained it was was beautiful. And just how important it is to get into those states where you're able to start. I mean, trauma, if your cortisol is already low, but to start re-regulating those. Absolutely. And then through like I've had it, I've done a program. So not only this keto green approach, but part of the alkalinizing practices that I do is, is heart math, is meditation and prayer, is calling up a good friend and laughing. You know, these are, these are aspects that increase our heart rate variability. 
And this is so important. I think there, there are so many apps now, Nicole, that we can put on our phone for measuring heart rate variability. And I love HeartMath for bringing this up. And for me as an obstetrician, you know, recognizing that, you know, I've listened to babies' heart rates. I've spent like years listening to babies' heart rates, right? And how beautiful, highly variable pattern, high, you know, highs and lows, just this great variability like a mountain range, right? But when that variability goes flat or heart rate starts to drop and stay down, that is a stressed out baby and I've got to get that baby out one way or another, you know, C-section, stat, let's go. Right. The baby's stressed. That, and then all of a sudden we stop looking at heart rate variability for the quality of your uh, your body's ability to have resilience. We stop looking. Wow. But wow. now it's like, look again, look at your resilience. How is your heart rate variability? How is our heart rate variability? Remind me, I haven't checked mine in a while. I'm going <laughs> to check mine today. I'm checking mine today because how is my response to stress heart rate variability? And we can retrain heart rate variability and that is an indicator in us adults not just in the in the womb of our mom right not just our baby in the womb but our heart rate variability is a marker of resilience is a marker of weathering the storm is a marker of coming out on the other side stronger healthier and more helpful i love that my aura ring that's what does my I love it. But you can tell, I can definitely tell on nights where, you know, I'm mostly keto green and my heart rate variability is really high. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll, you know, have a glass of wine and you can see it drop. I mean, it's crazy. And so it's is the aura so ring accurate. measures heart rate variability? It does. Wow. I didn't it, realize that. It measures it while you sleep and then it measures it um, if you, now you can create a moment from the app. So like while you're meditating and while you're still, it'll measure it for you. Very cool. Very cool. And it's so really you can tell too. when you've, you're losing heart rate variability. Yeah. Like it'll like it. show your trends and stuff. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's so fascinating. I actually didn't know that you checked that on babies. So it's like, yeah, why would you all of a sudden stop measuring that? It's just mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Let's go back again to just a question. I see so many of my female patients in their fertile years with low home hormones, low testosterone. We talked about how when cortisol is too high, we see the low progesterone. Um, and keto green can help that as well with the overall low hormones. Yes, it really can. It really can because we're reducing the hormones that are sucking out our reproductive hormones. <laughs> right. So stress depleting, stress and, and certainly a high carb lifestyle creates a, um, a push towards cortisol, which is depleting progesterone and progesterone being the mother hormone. And this is, you know, healthy progesterone, healthy DHEA levels are needed for healthy levels of estrogen and testosterone. And, uh, and that's really critically important. So what I've seen with clients going keto green is improvement in menstrual cycles, decrease in, you know, or or elimination of PMS symptoms. So it's really helping that estrogen dominance that many people experience. And it really helps with, again, just building up our hormones that build us back up. I love that. That's awesome. So as women are going through these perimenopausal phases and they're starting to go into menopause, I think it's a stage to be feared for a lot of women now. Um, They're just assumed that they're going to have all these awful symptoms. They're going to feel crazy. They're going to gain a bunch of weight. And this is during that time you really recommend this approach. 
correct? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This is more important now than ever. And um, this is just, again, the quicker we can get into the state and stay there is, is ideal for right now. It's important. And this is that resilience and building that muscle of our, of our body, again, the autophagy muscle, building our body's ability to clean out what's going wrong to help um, improve and fortify our immune system. And, you know, just create the lifestyle skills and disciplines that keep us grounded and present during this time frame. Perfect. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on is gut health. I think for so many women, especially complain about bloating and just, you know, not, not always having a bowel movement every day and all these different, I think gut health is starting to get a lot more attention and people are starting to realize, oh, you know, if I don't have a bowel movement every day, that, that actually maybe isn't the best thing for my body and all of these things. So how does keto green help gut health? So keto green helps gut health because of the diversity of the greens, the alkalinizing greens, the fiber, prebiotics, and probiotic. And in keto green 16, I was really specific about, you know, I wore a continuous blood sugar monitor for basically a year and monitored my blood sugar with different foods and and meals and creating the meals in keto green 16. So we're not getting high levels of glucose, but we're creating a a support for our digestive system with enough of the... A variety of dark leafy greens. So there's actually 16 key food types, key ingredient types to make it simple in Keto Green 16. But one of those is essentially fermented vegetables. So kimchi or sauerkraut. Fermented vegetables are known to help improve our digestive tract, our digestive system, as well as the diversity of plant foods, such as the cruciferous vegetables and our dark leafy greens. <clears throat> two of the other 16 food types that um, are incorporated into the plan to help with the improving the health of the microbiome. And the microbiome is essential. The diversity of the microbiome is essential for estrogen metabolism in a healthy way. And we have a section, essentially a function of the microbiome called the astrobolome that works to detoxify estrogen in this healthy, healthier way or unhealthy way, depending on the health of the microbiome. Yeah, can I feel like that? How do you say it? I always call it astrobloom. You probably say it in a better way. I'm not sure either. <laughs> astrobloom. Like, astrobloom. Can you explain that a little bit more? I think that is getting a little bit more talked about these days. Yeah, and I definitely need to dig more into the science. But when we look at how our body metabolizes estrogen, it typically goes down four main pathways. And we really do have so many different. Um, uh, Uh, metabolites of estrogen it's really interesting fascinating and we really are just beginning to understand but when we think of how we're detoxifying estrogen it's going down the 2 4 or 16 hydroxy estrogen pathways and then from there we need to it needs to be methylated to be eliminated from our system better. So this gut, this microbiome, the bacteria within our GI tract is designed to do that. And it needs the cofactors. It needs the methylation cofactors. So food rich in methylation is critical. 
and for healthy um, estrogen detoxification. So in my clinical practice, I was able to test 2,4,16-hydroxymethoxy estrogen metabolism in clients, especially as I was monitoring them for, you know, hormone imbalance, breast cancer, other types of cancers, et cetera and just optimizing hormone therapy. I wanna look at what comes in must go out healthfully, whether our body's producing it naturally or not. And so that's a marker. So by increasing the diversity of our greens, increasing methylation cofactors in our diet, such, again, dark leafy greens are huge for methylation. Supplement-wise, methylated folate, uh, methylcobalamin, um, SAMe, other great you know, methylators, then that improved our estrogen detoxification. So our gut is responsible for that predominantly. It's awesome. It's a perfect explanation of it. That's great. So Dr. Anna, tell us about your new book and when it comes out and where people can get it. Thank you. Well, my first book, The Hormone Fix, I would say it takes more than hormones to fix our hormones. And I really go into this concept behind as what I've shared with how the Keto Green concept came about. And Keto Green 16, which is my next book coming out May 5th, comes out May 5th. Keto Green 16 is like a kick butt, kickstart plan to get us keto green as quickly as possible to help with clearing the brain fog, help with, you know, rapid um, weight loss to help with increasing insulin sensitivity and mastering oxytocin in as little as 16 days. So we can really go a long way to do it. So the food is designed, like I said, I wore blood sugar monitor, I've tested the recipes and combined them to work on many of the aspects that uh, improve our body's function, the insulin sensitivity to support our body's natural autoimmune and inflammatory response. So the combination is there with intermittent fasting at 16 hours, the 16 key food types, 16 minute quick exercise plan, and a whole chapter in there for men as well as supplements, supplements that I recommend on a regular basis too. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Well, I recommend your first book, The Hormone Fix, to patients all the time. So super excited to see your new book. I think this will be great. And where can people follow you at? Are you, I know we talked a little bit about all your Facebook lives lately. Um, Where can they follow you on Facebook or Instagram? Yeah, definitely on my Facebook page and my group, Keto Green Community Group on Facebook and then Instagram at Dr. Anna Kaveka and my website, easy, DrAnna.com. That's awesome. So we will, I love that you were able to get DrAnna.com. Wow. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, So we'll link to all of your stuff in the show notes for sure. And I just want to thank you so much for your wisdom and thank you so much for all of the great work that you put out. As I said, I reference you all the time. And one of my favorite lines to reference you is if you hate your husband two weeks out of the month, then it's probably your hormones. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like so many people understand that. And so they're like, they laugh, but they're also like, oh my gosh. Um, So that's perfect. Um, So thank you so much, Anna, for being on today. I'm so excited for this to air. Thank you. This has been fun. Great talking with you always. The statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the FDA. Information provided here and products recommended or sold on coffeewiththedocs.com and or our podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information provided by the site 
and or by this podcast is not a substitute for a face-to-face consultation with your physician and should not be construed as medical advice of any sort. By using any of this information or reading it, you are accepting responsibility for your own health and health decisions and expressly release Dr. Nicole Huffman and Dr. Abby Kramer and its partners and guests from any and all liability whatsoever, including that arising from negligence.